You're listening to the Sports Therapy Association podcast. Let's talk about. Okay, and we are live. Welcome, people. Welcome to the Sports Therapy Association podcast. It's December, and as hopefully you've seen in the advert, it is the month of fascia, 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 fascia. I have to do my own special effects. Um, so thank you for joining us. If you're joining us live, my name is Matt Phillips. I'm creator of RunChatLive.com, and this is the Sports Therapy Association podcast recorded live every Tuesday at 8 o'clock via the Sports Therapy Association Facebook page and also on our YouTube channel. So hope you are well. If you're joining us live, then um, that's great. Obviously, if you listen to the podcast, that's superb as well. It's totally up to you. I will give you some details if you want to join us live, how you can do that shortly. But as I've already said, yeah, what we're doing now, slightly different format. Now we've got to episode 79. Um, basically, we're going to do months on a particular topic. That's the idea, starting off in December. Okay, so um, what I'm hoping that will do is it will just give a little bit more kind of shelf life to all of the fantastic guests we have. I feel guilty sometimes having one guest on, which is just amazing, talking about something. And then the next week, it's something not connected. It's just too short. So December on the Sports Therapy Association podcast is all about fascia. And we've got some fantastic um, guests um, lined up for you um, to help us get through that topic. Um, coming up shortly, um, opening December up, uh, we have the pleasure of being joined by Julian Baker of Functional Anatomy, um, who some of you probably met at Therapy Expo recently. It was lovely to um, touch base with Julian there. And also we're joined by Anna Barrett-Chigarin, pronunciation, it's Basque, you know, um, of Evolve Movement Education. So both of them are going to be taking us through introduction to fascia um, and are very much looking forward to that. But first of all, um, it reminded me at Therapy Expo, not everyone knows how to access a podcast and how to listen to us. So I just wanted to quickly run through um, how to join us. So one way is going to the Sports Therapy Association Facebook page. That's where we record these podcasts live on video. And there's great advantages, obviously, to watching the video and joining us if you can at eight o'clock on Tuesday night, because you get to interact with the guests, ask them questions on the spot. I have some guests saying, oh, maybe we could record it, Matt, and edit it. And I'm, no, 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 no. My guests are live. Okay, and they can make mistakes. We can make mistakes. That's the beauty of it. Okay, so there's no editing on these podcasts. I much prefer it that way. Since the days of Run Chat Live, it's always been like that. So that's why we do love the live video version. And we're also going out live streaming on the YouTube channel. Okay, so just go to YouTube and look up the Sports Derby Association, and you'll find us there. You can watch it that way if you prefer, not to go via Facebook. But if you can't join us live, then yeah, you can listen to the podcast on all your normal favorite podcast apps. I had people at Therapy Expert going, well, how do I find this podcast, Matt? And again, it reminded me that not everybody knows. No one knows what a podcast even is. So literally, you just go to your phone. If you're on an iPhone, you'll probably have an integrated kind of um, Apple podcast app in there. And you just simply go to that and look up the Sports Therapy Association podcast. If you're on Android, then you might be using something like Pocket Casts. Or again, just download an app um, from the store. Um, and um, yeah, and look us up. And that's how you can listen to us. Or you can go to the um, sta.co.uk. Um, every week I painstakingly upload the episode with all the show notes to that as well. So that's a way where you can watch the video, uh, listen to the podcast, etc., and read a little bit about the guests and what we're all about. So there you go. That was the housekeeping out of the way. So um, last week, um, thank you very much to uh, people who joined us for the Post Therapy Expo um, chat. 
Um, it was lovely, to, obviously, to meet everyone now. I could go on for a whole hour about it, but I won't. It's, it's come to an end, Matt. You need closure. It was beautiful, though, and I really, really treasure the time I spent with people I've met after 79 weeks of, of mixing with you online. It was beautiful. Really, really made me happy, and I do miss it. it did get me down for a while. But anyway, thanks to Mike Grice, Director of Movement Therapy Education, and SDA Regional Rep Catherine Reimer, and also SDA Member and Sports Massage Therapist Extraordinaire Stevie Barr, not Stevie Barrett, Stevie Barr. And thanks to those guys. And like I say, you can listen to that episode um on podcasts or on youtube if you fancy watching the video or at the sta.co.uk there we go breathe matt breathe so like i say tonight very excited we're going to be talking starting a whole month of fascia and we really really are honored to be joined uh, by two massive names in the world of fascia who are going to hopefully surprise us a little bit confirm some stuff educate us i'm not saying that bar too high here hopefully um but um it's gonna be great so as always, if you want to comment, um, then uh, you can put something into if, if you're on YouTube or on a Facebook page, you can comment and it will come up. I'll give you a little example. Glenn Murphy just said, hello. all." There you go. Evening all. When you do comment, your logo comes up. If you see that your logo doesn't come up, it's because you've joined via a group. And there should be a little link where you need to give permission to Facebook to use your logo. That's pretty much what it's about. But um, but there we go. Um, I've got a little message here. Janice Charters is saying, is it just me or does the live keep cutting out? Is that an issue? Let's see. Okay for me, says Gary. Catherine Reimer said it's okay with me. Okay, I'm, I'm sorry, Janice. It's it's you, not me. Oh, I've managed to say that to someone for ages. It's you, Janice, not me. There you go. Right, so without further ado then, um, I am going to bring up our two fantastic guests. Um, let's get rid of that. And bring up in no particular order, Julian Baker and Anna Barretcha-Guerin. Hey guys. Hello. Good evening. Hello. Hello. Hi, Matt. Hi, Thank you so much for joining us and giving up your time. I'm very excited. Thanks for having us. It's great to be invited. And, uh, you know, nice to, nice to see the work that you do and that Gary does. It's, um, it's uh, you know, you work hard, great association. So well done. Kudos to you. Well, that's very kind. We had a fleeting moment of highs in Therapy Expo when you were up there, Julian. It was nice just to kind of like, I think we touched. I think there was a brushing of shoulders. There was that electricity. That piezoelectric electricity thing going on. It was great. And Anna, you're in my neck of the woods, aren't you? In fact, like I said, I could look out my window and probably shout to you. You're in Brighton, aren't you? I know. Yeah, I'm just around the corner. I know, it's crazy. Yeah, thanks for joining us. Right then. So, um, fascia, fascia, fascia. How exciting. If if there's any subject which draws controversy among soft tissue therapists over the last 20 years and continuing, it's probably fascia. So I'm really excited about this. Um, People, like I say, I've told um, Julian and Anna, if you have questions, put them in there and they can stop me short because I want you guys to have the opportunity tonight to to ask away anything you've read. There's so much. We'll get into this. There's so much information out there um, contradicting itself. So many definites and black and whites. And as always, as we discover on here, it's normally not black and white. So ask away, people, if you're interested um, and, um, and, and we will bring them up. But to start, Julian or Anna? either of you can start tell us a little bit for people who aren't familiar with your work um then yeah give us a little history of basically and this is tricky but how how you got into fascia off you go anna <laughs> um what is that okay um i got into fascia i suppose like m- most people probably got into fascia which is by reading anatomy trains that was my first introduction to fascia and that was, um, I don't know, it was over 10 years ago. I can't remember exactly. 
what year it was, I I was a Pilates teacher and it just uh, made so much sense and, and like, you know, most most of us that got that way started to get really interested in the relationships and the connections across the body and started to see the connectivity with, uh, you know, the different linked relationships throughout the body. And very quickly started to see that there was or feel that there was a link missing for me, which was the connection with the viscera. So I started to get into visceral manipulation as well, and visceral um, studied um, visceral manipulation with the Barrel Institute, started to research a bit more visceral fascia. Ended up going to a dissection with uh, Gil Hebley, which is where I met Julian. Um, what? Now when he was 2000 and was it 2014 or something like that? And and since then, just got really hooked into the dissection world and just basically didn't leave Julian and Gil alone and carried on coming to courses and researching more. Yeah, and, and carrying on, I've always been curious about all the different sort of layers of understanding. Ended up going to university, back to university to do a SPGDP in anatomical sciences. Yeah, so that's kind of how I got into fascia, but um, that's a very kind of quick bullet point. Resume of all these Fantastic. Years. I know, I know it's tricky, um, especially when you've got so much experience and, you, and your studies, the list of studies. If people want more information about um, what Anna has done um, with her time and how much she is immersed into the world of fashion, then do make sure you check out Best Places Evolve Movement Education, yeah, for your bio and Evolve all the information. Education, yeah. There That's you go. We'll make sure the link's going to the show notes. Um, fantastic. Yeah. Thank you for that. And Julian? Uh, yeah, well, I mean, I, I, I started teaching bodywork about, oh, nearly 30 years ago and I started teaching the Bowen technique I brought that over to the UK from Australia and I'd learned it in 1988 I know that makes me sound like an old man but I kind of am these days and um and so teaching the therapy and trying to work out what it was that we were doing was was so I started doing studying a bit of anatomy and it didn't really make sense you know the things that I was seeing and feeling underneath my hands wasn't really connecting in terms of what I was seeing in the books there was a big disconnect in there so um, and going back to the books to understand the physiology and how it linked up just, you know, it just wasn't there. It was sort of bits of muscle and bits of tissue. And then a, a colleague of mine called uh, Hans Tyson from Holland um, said, look, you know, this fascia thing. And this was probably 2000, about 20 odd years ago. And I hadn't really heard of it. And so I started to look into it a little bit more. Um, f- fairly quickly came across um, Gil, Gil Headley, and um, then was in America with Tom Myers and, and um and so the whole thing sort of, you know, kicked off from there, really, and, and read Job's body and all that kind of stuff. And so that was that was sort of my journey down the fascia route in the, in, the, in as much as I wanted to understand what the connection was, what's connecting us, what's what's giving us the connection where the anatomy was disconnected. And we had systems of the body and these muscles that were doing this that, and the other, um, you know, where was the connection? And, and, and fascia seemed to be that connection for me at the time. So. Um, and then I worked with Gil, sort of, I ran, uh, organized his courses for, for many years over here and also had my own things going on as well. So, um, and, uh, now I don't have a place to work in the UK at the moment, but, um, so I work out of Poland and, um, I've been to the States in the last couple of years as well. So yeah. And, and the dissection thing is really where I'm at to, 
show manual therapists and massage therapists and people how this really you know holds up you know the system of anatomy that we have that we teach undergraduate medical students is not fit for purpose uh when it comes to teaching people that do hands-on body work there's no no two questions about it we just have to stop and and teach a different way and 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 you know not not use those models it's it's bonkers so sorry i've started already Fascinating. There's some there's there's some names there already, which we'll I'm sure we'll get to as we're looking at kind of the history and, and the progression of ideas with fascia, like Tom Myers and Gil Headley. Probably names which people in the audience have heard of before. Um, particularly Gil Headley's fuzz speech, which I'm really interested in. I'm 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 pretty much I'm starstruck a little bit to hear that you work with um, the man himself, because um, I remember that video was just such a massive movement and a wake up call. It really had a massive effect. It probably can be blamed for a few things as well, but at the time it was just an, a classic example of someone so ahead of their time coming out with some stuff. So, but before we do that, I mustn't get too excited because this is introduction to the fascia month of December. So I'm conscious that some people might, if so, I mean, this may be one of the problems, but answering the question of what is fascia is not such an obvious question, is it? So I'm going to ask it to you two because you're experts. What is fascia? It's a connective tissue. <laughs> is it actually that simple? <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yeah. Would you expand on that, Anna? Are you happy with that? You're staying with the boss? It's, it's like yeah, that. well, if, uh, yeah, it is It is connective tissue. And like, I mean, you said many times, it's connective tissue, and yet not all connective tissue is fascia. Um, but, um, I mean, it's so like we could just go and like tell the sort of recipe of the 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 components of fascia. You could go down that way, or I think for me the interesting thing is is that is that connectivity throughout the body, and that it all stems from the way that we can unravel ourselves in the embryo, and from this kind of central layer in second stage in the embryonic development, we start to um, kind of unpack all these envelopes and envelopes and envelopes and grow into into these into this system. And um, so yeah, I mean that will be the connective tissue but within that there will be there will be fascia. So what is it for people who are learning very kind of level three A and P, what does it connect? Because you learn typically ligaments and differences of ligaments and tendons. And Before we get to that, Matt, if we go back to the sort of the, 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 the what is fashion, I, I want to say it's connected to you. And it's sort of a bit tongue in cheek to say that because it is. But but if I give you a little bit more definition, it, it is it is part of the um, extracellular matrix. It's a um, a collagenous tissue, which is produced by the um, by the by a cell called the fibroblast. Um, and it's produced in relation to um, demand that's placed upon its loading, um, and um, it's triggered by lots of things. Human growth factor is a big trigger for it, and the fibroblast produces the the fiber that is going to become a collagen fiber. So a collagen fiber is a triple helix, um, and the fibroblast produces a single fiber of that triple helix, uh, which then wraps itself around two other fibers and it's it's hollow in the middle. So think of it like a um, a spring, a triple hit. And so um, it, it's collagenous based. Collagen is the most common protein in the body. But the important thing to remember is that it is that it's non-cellular predominantly, as all connective tissues are in its makeup. So that means it's not predominantly cellular, it's predominantly inert. Um, and it's there as a, as a scaffold. 
but there isn't a single thing that you can look at and go right that's fascia and then exclude everything else because pretty much if you think of the words epi peri endo anything that starts epimesium perimesium endomesium then anything that starts epi peri endo is going to be involving um uh, connective tissues so its job is is a scaffold as a separator that's the other thing it's not just a connector it's a separator it's there to create space it's there to allow uh, fluid movement to be effective it's there to support muscle muscle is very very weak without its connective tissue it just falls apart um, you know, the moment you take a scalpel to it, it just disappears. Um, so, you know, the, the integrity of the of the structure comes from the from the connective tissue that surrounds it. So, a little bit more detail. Definitely fantastic. Um, why? Think, I'm under can the I impression. Yeah, go on. yeah, of course. Because I think um, um, you know is is really a brilliant description. To get this idea of the of how active it is, like Julian is saying, how is is a is in constant is a constant state of change. So there's a a build up of these um, collagen structures that then are going to be aligning and distributing their arrangement in relationship to the force that is applied to the tissue, on you know not just the mechanics but maybe also the chemistry. But also I think that sometimes when we hear a lot about the collagen, we tend to forget also about the fluid environment that this collagen lives in. So I think that also very important to to be aware of the that extracellular fluid that um is where you know, that is bathing um this collagen. And also the quality of um of that collagen not being actually that elastic. It doesn't actually um, give that much, and it's more the, the 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 structure itself and its ability to to change the relationships in the way that the fibers are aligning themselves and are organizing themselves. I think that's also another kind of area that we need to k- keep in mind when we're thinking about fascia. I think I think now's a good time to because uh, there's a couple of things in the comments here that uh, Matt talks about the fuzz beach you've mentioned it um, and Brian says Gill's fuzz beach was about dead bodies um, and I don't know if you if if the people watching saw the uh, picture that Matt used to um, publicise the event uh, but you saw a sort of a brown um, structure which was muscular and then you saw saw this sort of fuzzy tissue. Um, and the thing you have to remember about Gill's fuzz speech is that it was just at the end of a, of a session. Um, he kind of made it up um, and he'd been looking at this sort of fuzzy stuff. Now, that fuzzy stuff um, is dried out fascia. It's fascia with no fluid in it. Um, and that comes about as a result of the embalming process that's used. Um, and that is not what there isn't a thing called fuzz. And, and um, you, you don't want to break the fuzz down. It, you know, Gil, if you, if you look for it, you can't find it. But he did do an, another annotated, extended annotated version of this where he sort of realized what had gone on with it. But, but there is no fuzz. There is no um, connective tissue that gets fuzzy. It gets stuck because the fluid doesn't go through. But I think it's a good time to pick that, um, that microscope picture up, uh, Matt. Mm-hmm. We... I can find that. Keep talking. I'll get it for you. So... So, the, so, so as Anna said, it is a fluid structure, you know, the extracellular matrix um, and, and the ground substances because the fibroblast produces its own ground substance. It produces its own fluid. And so it's a fluid network um, that is having these collagen fibers floating in responding to low pressure movement and so on and so forth. And if you have a little look at that, that, um, that picture there, what you'll see is a bit of muscle surrounded by these multiple directions of, of connective tissue that we call fascia. 
that's been pulled apart. You know, so if you again, if you remember that if you've ever seen the Jean-Claude Gimbertot um, pictures that are um, uh, strolling under the skin, you know, this is this is tissue being destroyed. This isn't what it looks like. If you can see this as you can see it now, it's because I've pulled it apart under my microscope and effectively destroyed the relationship between the muscle fibers. The moment you see anything like that, it's what it looks like when it's being broken. Um, and it's like any potential space. Once you close it up, you can't see the space. You can only see the space when you open it and then it's no longer a space. And so those, those, those fibers that you see there don't look like that. What they're there is they're there to be held in space, to be given integrity, to be given um, structure. But the, the fuzz isn't a thing. It's not a, it, it's, that's dried out tissue and it, you know, it doesn't look like that. But have a little look at the, the other picture that Matt had on his, um, uh, in his advertisement for that. So Anna and I are both on the same page that it's a fluid mechanism predominantly. She, I hope she's going to say hydraulic amplifiers in it. <laughs> is it? I mean, I can sense, I can hear um, Matt Scarsbrook's heart beating from here. And I think it's Gil Headley's kind of that video. And I love the way that you were kind of there and know about it. And it was a kind of an end of a um, dissection kind of afternoon. It was like thinking on the spot. But that did spawn whole kind of probably decade of different types of fascial manual therapy techniques didn't it and we had slightly non-plausible kind of ideas of putting your fingers on top and melting it down the whole piezoelectric thing and the kind of all these kind of pseudoscientific things which didn't do which kind of for a few people kind of put the whole off fascia it was almost became black and white didn't it you either 100% it did everything and this is this is the um, the, the reason all things can be solved by softening fascia. And then other people were saying fascia is nothing. It's inert. It doesn't do anything. So the Headley speech was a shame, wasn't it, in a way? Uh, I think it triggered a, a whole interest. And I think, I think the bottom line is, is, is that, as with any fluid, it needs to be kept moving. And if it doesn't keep moving, it gets stuck, stuck, and you get stagnation. And, and um, as Alfred Pischinger wrote in, in, back in 1928, every, every um, disease mechanism has qualitative and quantitative changes in the extracellular matrix and so you know if you if you don't move it you don't get the fluids moving and fluids within the human form are absolutely vital that's why we move and 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 manual therapy is about keeping the fluids moving and movement therapy is about keeping the fluids moving and and that's really what we're about and 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 fascia is is the 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 channels and the mechanisms you know in order to be able to um, allow that fluid movement to take place yeah. Anna, just jump in, eh? Don't wait for. Wait <laughs> to get a word in to cut him out. <laughs> no, I think it's. I think. I mean, Julian is 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 saying it greatly. He's you know? muted himself yeah. now. You can't see that. You can see he's, no, yeah. the power you have of this man. Have um. I mean, again. Move, I like the way you are talking about movement, the human body moving is like motion is lotion, all these kind of like catchphrases. But one of the questions when it comes to fascia is how much can we affect it with our hands? Is that a question that's gone from loads we can do to nothing we can do to maybe we can do? I mean, there was some research out recently um, which kind of made people start talking. Um, there's been research which has been totally kind of thrown out now. But where are you in terms of because that's the clinical relevance, relevance, isn't it? It's an amazing anatomy. It's great that we're talking about it, but what's the clinical relevance of it? Can we affect it somehow? Well, I'm going to say that we can affect it, that we can affect it with our hands. So 
perhaps the question is what are we affecting and and how are we affecting it um we can mm, i don't know if we can tell a truth about what we're affecting we can tell a story we can make a a, a, a belief around what is happening um the idea that we can change the collagen structure or the um the makeup of the connective tissue with our hands in a treatment table i'm not sure that we can i mean i think that what's really mainly happening for me in my understanding of it is that there is we're creating an experience we're creating um a new a new proprioceptive environment and a new sense of we're, we're affecting the interoception we're affecting the the proprioceptive um intelligence if if anything and that actually you know is what really is happening and then the body can reorganize itself in a different way and when the body begins to move it starts to allow the fluid to travel to areas that before were dehydrated and were not uh, not moving i think that's probably i would say where we are affecting it the most there are ideas around also the changes on the you know Isotropical uh, quality of the tissue, how it is a fluid but is also a solid, so it's able to sort of change its state um, with um, with an effect, with a mechanic effect, with uh, a pressure, and and with time. And maybe we are changing the fluid to a certain extent. We are maybe changing the quality of the fluid, but definitely for the fascia to change for the actual um, collagen fibers to be uh, broken down in their relationship or, or built up in a different organization, that would take months. And I, I believe that comes from movement and from repetitive movement in, in, certain, in certain directions. I mean, it's not just I believe, there is research that shows that that's, that's how it happens. Um, yeah, but, I mean, Julian, doing Bowen, which is what you do, um, maybe you can expand more on that mm. your territory. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I think I think you've got to look at again going back to the idea that the, the sheet-like tissues that you think about, as far as you know, the the the. Um, uh, these sort of tissues, sheet-like tissues that you see around the the leg. If you put that picture up, Matt, that um, um, the, the one of the um, fasciolata. I should just make a little warning here. If I mean, these are pictures. Oh of, yeah, they are dissection pictures. And, yeah. So so make sure who else is in the room watching it. It's not probably not. Yeah. So suitable and, and if you're here for the donors. The donors have given their bodies for us to be able to do this. So it's an amazing thing, and it's a wonderful thing that we do. Um, and uh, you know, my dissection is about showing the stuff that we don't generally see. Um, and what you're going to see is a picture of, of this sort of sheet-like tissue um, that we saw, the aponeurosis, the aponeurotic tissue that people think of when they think about fascia. Um, now, now, the whole point about this is that it's a container. It's holding things in place. Um, it's very, very strong. It has the components of steel, steel wire. It's stronger pound for pound than steel wire. So its job is to, to, is to give you stability and load and force transmission. So if you, if you think for a minute that you're going to do anything with your hands on this stuff, then, then think again. You're not. I mean, you know, I could give you a piece this big um, and we could get two hemostats between you know, two pairs of forceps and you could lean your whole weight on a, you know, two or three square centimeters of that between the two of you. 
and the forceps will break before the fascia does. So, and we do it, you know, I mean, you know, I will back me up on this. It's just, you, you ain't going to go anywhere with it. But it, you are going to apply pressure to what is a, a, a pressurized bag. Um, in that pressurized bag is all this stuff. You know, fascia doesn't have a job without the other things to cooperate. It's, it's part of a whole network and a whole other load of, layer of tissues. And it's acting as a container, as a, as a conduit. It's bringing nutrients in. It's taking nutrients out within the fluid. So, you know, it's not one thing. Can you release it? Well, yeah, it's not a box of doves. What do you want to do with it? You know, right? It's not, quote. It's it, not a box of doves. You know, I mean, I, it's, like, and also, you know, what are you touching? You're touching skin and you're touching fat. You're not touching fascia. So, you know, get over it. It's, it's, it's not a thing that you can touch. It's not a thing that you're going to, you know, dig your fingers in. So if you want to affect it, we, we need to get people mobile more by reducing their inflammation, their swelling and so on and so forth and, and getting them repaired and then keeping them moving, you know. So all those motion lotion tropes are kind of right. You know, if you, if you stick around and you sit still, you end up being stiff. And it's because your collagen fibers are laid down more. That's just, that's just how it goes. Right, Julian. So I've got to interrupt you there because that's, that's going to be quite a bombshell because I don't know how aware you are in touch you are with what's being taught on most level three, level four sports massage courses. But... Level four, which is the now you're allowed to work with injury. I mean, my fascial release um, is kind of still quite a big thing. Um, and um, they're still taught to kind of put your fingers on, allow it to heat up. Imagine a pan coin or margarine, all these kind of things which came out in the 2000s, which I did. And anybody from 2000 did, which is why we can't poo poo it. We thought we were great at the time. It's what, you know, we thought this is really helping. And it was cheeky because we were, we were seeing the effects with our patients. It was like people walking away going, oh, my God, my shoulders are the same height. And, and like I can feel so much more looser now. So we were kind of getting anecdotal, may it be. But, but you're saying now that if somebody is doing a course where they'd be told that by separating the hands really slowly or picking up the skin and rolling it, it may be having an effect, but not the effect that maybe they've been taught. Maybe the mechanism of action is different. <laughs> hold on to for your those listening to the to podcast your, hold on to your for those guys you shrugged hold on to you look we're touching people and we know that touch is a very powerful we got a nobel prize this year on touch i mean you know you see my youtube video for why it pissed me off but it, it, it's 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 the fact we're touching people and touch is a, is a very very powerful communication so we touch people we move that's what we do as humans um whether you know people will say you do this and you do this and maybe you are maybe you're not you know the visceral manipulators will tell you that they're releasing a, um, you know, a, a small sphincter valve deep in the duodenum. Are they? I mean, I couldn't. I can get there with a scalpel in about half an hour, but I couldn't feel it through this through this tissues. That's not to say that something isn't happening. I'm not trying to poo-poo anything. I'm just saying that it's probably not what we think it is. And I've been trying to work out for 30 years what we're doing with our hands, and I'm no further further forward. So, you know, um, um, and I'll come to the mechanoreceptors in a minute, if you like, but yeah okay so that's really good that's a good answer and i think that's really important because it is i know from the emails we get myself and gary that people come off these courses having been told this is what's happening by people they've paid three grand to and then they'll come on and they'll hear someone like yourself and we're kind of like saying listen to the podcast and they're saying well actually you know you need a scalpel to get through here the chances of actually releasing the psoas or something by pushing down it's not really going to happen because you've got a whole ton of visco on top and stuff and, and unless it's broken to them gently, they're going to think, well, that's it, or a waste of a course. So it's, it's a, in our episodes, it's been a touchy subject that the people are taught these things still. 
and then they have to kind of you know yeah. we all have to have a, a story we all have a story that we, we that we buy into when we get sold and we sell our clients and, and sometimes that story is going to change the person that walks through the door is going to get a different story to the next person that walks through the door and it doesn't really matter we do our job and we do our job with integrity and we touch people and we do the thing that we think we're doing and actually what we're actually doing doesn't matter you know n equals one they walk out that door happy what happened? I have no idea. And I can give you chapter and verse on the hypothesis of it. But what is really happening? Well, you know, we're probably too stupid to understand our own physiology. So, you know, come back in 100 years time, we might have got there. But something is going on. We touch somebody, they feel better. Job's done as far as I'm concerned. So, you know. And do you think, and, and I will get to, sorry, and I'm just firing away questions at you in the moment, but you're welcome to answer as well, obviously. Is it... One question is, how able are we through a technique to actually affect the fascia as opposed to just affecting the maybe four to five inches of skin on top, for example, on the, on, you know, on the body? Is there anything we can, can I, do to, to make us affect just, the fascia? Or Can I jump in for a moment? I know yes, definitely. For Julian, but like, I think I feel kind of real kind of, um, I mean, how can we separate the skin from, I mean, we are one human being like even if it's five inches i mean the whole nervous system is alive and and awake and regardless of whether um there is a direct connection between one structure and the other they both come from the same um the same original cell there is no separation the only way that we can separate it is by doing dissection so um yeah, like the, the the effect of one area is definitely going to be affecting everywhere else in the body, surely. Um, yeah, sorry, just a little rant there. About no, I agree. The... I totally get it. But but in that case, courses, for example, yeah. that are sold saying you're affecting the fascia, how can that claim be made when really we are, we know we're affecting the skin. We know the skin's just full of loads of receptors with direct yeah. kind of sometimes the one neuron going all the way from the skin all the way to the thalamus. We know that that physiology exists, whereas the fascia is particularly not 100% inert, but there's very limited nervous supply going back. There's tiny little sporadic muscle kind of cells within, which potentially might have a little bit of an effect. But it's just to clear up these ideas that, okay, what's wrong with you is it's a fascia issue. And that's always kind of a little bit tricky in this day and age to say that because one, how do we know it? And two, how can we affect the fascia if it is a fascia issue? Does that make sense? So surely the uh, fascia is going to be changing as well in the organization of the body, the way the body organizes itself and then it meets forces within the environment is going to uh, lead to a particular fascia makeup or another one. So by affecting the skin, we affect the nervous system which then organizes the body in a different um let's say in a different movement pattern we can like affect the movement pattern through changing the environment changing the experience and therefore the person moves breathes in a different way and as it meets forces the 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 build-up of collagen and the organization of the structure um changes um yeah eventually yeah eventually over a period of... and the thing the thing you've also got to bear in mind with these connective tissues and and, and i'm uh, is is that this stuff's going to take a while to change it doesn't happen quickly you don't 
you know, you don't put your hands on somebody and something changes, you know, in the space of an hour session, what actually happens is, uh, is nothing. I mean, you know, you, you, there's nothing, there's no more muscle, there's no less muscle, there's no more fascia, there's no less fascia. Um, and I, I, Anna's saying that the, the story, I said the story doesn't matter. The story matters to your client. What you say, say to your client right now at that moment in time, N equals one. You know, whether you are telling them you're releasing fascia and that's what they've come to you, whether you tell them you're mobilizing their joint, it, you know, ultimately that's the relationship that you have with your client. You're touching them. What I'm saying is that is that I, I don't think that all these these fascia things that are that are the buzzword are, are necessarily um, built on sound physiology or uh, biological plausibility that, that, you know, there's a lot of stuff that is. That is ridiculous in you know so um that, that, that i that i hear and um you know that's based upon a on, on an idea of somebody you know selling a principle and ask me trains is another one so um you know oh that's that's controversial um, but, um, but that's interesting though because i mean you both studied with tom in your time back in the day yeah um, um i'm not I quite sure no sorry. did you not did you meet not, it's julian no. sorry no, no no um and i'm not sure i know like for example and excuse my pronunciation here. I don't think I've actually heard his name pronounced, but Robert Schleip, is that good enough? Schleip? Schleip. He's kind of obviously gone back on some of the things he originally said, and he's kind of heavily kind of criticized, well, criticized in the good sense of evolved in the idea that you can distort fascia and the charity kind of papers show all that. But like, I'm not sure how much Myers has changed, but how about this idea that yes, fascia is connected obviously around the body and it connects different kind of load management and stuff, but, are we able, the whole thing is, are we able with our hands to affect that? Can we touch one part of the body and therefore release, which is the word typically used, kind of another part, the whole sling ideas and that. Is that something which you both kind of work with or is it something we need to evolve on and just get the body moving essentially? Um, yeah, I mean, there are relationships throughout the body and we can see that there are... Um, you know, organizations that are quite common and, um, you know, ideas like the anatomy trains or, or the, 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 the sort of maps of these link relationships throughout the body are very interesting. I think it's always, um, it's always very important to have that as a, to be very aware that this is a, this is a map, this is a particular model that we are using in order to look at the body and that it can be a useful model, but that we are missing so much when we are looking at, especially if we're looking at just a, a line relationship throughout, I don't know, the, the superficial front line through the front of the legs and the, the front of the abdomen, for example, or just, um, yeah, I mean, the the viscera, for example, are, are so so missed in this in some sometimes in this in this model. So I think is is that keep, keeping that curiosity as to how the not just the fascia but the connective tissue is is also organised. I think for me that the most important thing, and I did mention the the embryo earlier, is uh, I think someone on the comments was was asking, well, if it's not so, you know affectable with our hands and why why is the focus on it why are we focusing on the fascia i think my answer for why i keep focusing on on fascia is 
is because of uh, having studied the embryo to a level, I mean, embryology is a massive subject, the understanding of how the, the whole musculoskeletal system is, is built out and how everything stems from that mesoderm, that middle layer in the, in the third week of development. And, and that unfolding of the embryo, creating these connections and these compartments, like Julian said earlier, of disconnection as well as connection. For me, that, regardless of whether it is then creating an environment in which we can grow muscle, we can grow ligament, we can grow bone, that originates all in the same layer. And it's, you know, as you see the body unravel, completely connected. So that for me is why I keep going back to the fascia, that the origin is all in there. Um, we develop from the inside and we unfold and make ourselves in this bags that fold on themselves and they all come from the original one 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 cell. Anyway, I'm going off on on an No, it's, it's it's really <laughs> interesting, it's definitely I wanted, yeah, to, I wanted to pick up. Um, I, I think I think somebody's. I uh, want to clarify what I was saying about the idea about anatomy trains. And Anna mentioned it. Um, and if you can stick that picture up of the um, the thoracolumbar fascia, it's quite ready. That one, uh, quite a red one. Um, now you know I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing today without. Um, yeah, that's the one. Without without Tom Myers, and I think the, the man is a genius, and I think he's a uh, a legend in terms of this whole industry. Um, and, you know, he's come from the Rolfing thing. Do I think it has no relevance? Not, not at all. I think Rolfing has a relevance as a manual therapy. I've been Rolf, you know, full sessions myself. Um, and, um, but what I'm saying is, is that, is that um, the anatomy trains is a, is a model. It's an idea. It's a principle. They are imaginary lines of strain. They're not real lines of strain. And my problem has come when Tom has gone in with to the lab with Todd Garcia and cut these lines out and laid them on a, a table and go, oh, look, we found that they are real after all that they're not you know the head weighs 10 pounds um, and the basic law of physics is going to tell us if you move your head around on top of a of a, of a very mobile and very bendy and very fluid based and gravitational based structure then you're going to change the way that it loads through the rest of the uh, body and 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 therefore has to find its stability some way that's that's how it goes but to then take those lines and, and pull them out. So I got accused of Tom, by his, his CEO, of, of not believing in anatomy trends. I said, well, if belief isn't what I'm interested in. I'm interested in evidence. Um, and that's where I go from there. Is rolfing relevant? Of course it's relevant. But is it, is it in myofascial release? Well, I don't really know what that means. Um, mm -hmm. Is it creating separation in order to allow more fluid to move through? Yes, but, you know, so is everything else. And, and that's what I'm trying to get at, is I'm trying to get away from these terms which actually don't really mean anything for us to work out a little bit more about what we do uh, do and 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 promote the idea that we need touch-based therapy at, at the core of our delivery we don't have any touch-based therapy in any western system of, of healthcare delivery which is bonkers and we know what it does um so but i just think we have to stop talking in words that are just a bit um, unscientific and a bit physiologically and, and biologically implausible and and start to you know knuckle down and say what is it what isn't it and the, i think the whole fascia thing has gone a little bit too far uh, but that's you know that's my view yeah i think tom tom my i mean i re remember reading some of his more recent stuff and he had the kind of label father of fascia didn't he? and he's kind of come back and said he's even criticized like um 
fascist is way overdone for him. People have kind of taken his original ideas, which were revolutionary at the time, and just made this whole marketing thing out of it. And he's kind of said out loud that people just go over the top and it's kind of got him down a little bit. Um, yeah, and it's important to remember that these names that were coming up, people shouldn't be slagging them off. They're the forefathers of thought. And in so many cases, these people like Gil Headley and Tom Myers um, and even like Paul Hodges when it went for the whole kind of Pilates thing in 2000 with the transversal dominus and all this kind of, they were geniuses at the time. They were amazing researchers who were doing stuff which no one else would even dream of doing. But by the time they kind of continued doing their researching and realized, actually, it's not quite so important, the transverse of Dominus, which we heard about with Raphael Bender and the whole Pilates thing. It was too late. The kind of like Internet had taken over and produced the DVDs and the courses. And it was like, so I think the words you're talking about, Julian, yeah, it's often it's, it's unfortunate. It's the marketing thing, isn't it? They're latched onto an original people who came up with this weren't even talking about it. But so I want to kind of where is it? 848. Anna, did, Anna, did you want to just quickly talk about that picture? Uh, yes, sorry, the picture here. Do you want to put it on full? You start talking, I'll put it on full. Um, <laughs> there we go. Um, well, I wasn't kind of thinking I was going to talk about that. <laughs> I, I, I can talk about that. Picture. Yeah, um, I think it's, it's incredible. And I, I love the, 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 the pathways that her are created there, you know, the the sort of cross relationships across the Saracolum fascia and around the area of the sacrum. Um, did you have any ideas of what I would like to talk about? <laughs> Just for, I think for a lot of people, it looks like we're eating something which might be served up at Sunday. But so give yeah. us a chat about what it is and what we're actually looking at. Yeah, in terms of so we're looking at the Saracolum fascia. And um, we're looking at so that uh, left-hand side of the of the picture, where it's a little bit more silvery, is the Saracolamba fascia, as it's sort of reaching over the sacrum, so it's coming wow. down on, over the sacrum, and 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 that crisscross is is beautiful over the sacrum, kind of directing itself towards towards the glutes. And then what I think is happening at the right-hand side is that the uh, the top. Part. So the spine is obviously, obviously that, that middle horizontal line got running through the center and the, the latissimus dorsi has been reflected from the spinous um, bridge. And what we see is uh, a deeper layer beneath in which we've got that other middle layer of the thracolamba fascia with the beginning of the fibers of rector spinae. Is that what that is? Yeah. Again? Yeah, I, I think I, the reason I, I wanted to put it up as well is because we, we mentioned anatomy trains. And, and, you know, if you look at the at the bottom of the picture, what you're looking at is you can see, you know, from sort of top left at, say, 11 o'clock, you know, follow a line with your eye all the way across. And what you see is that is that fibrous line going all the way across the central line, reaching across into the fibers, the fascial fibers of, of external oblique um, and crossing the central line. There. It's, a, it's a continuous straight line. Now, if you slightly change and you look, say, to 10 o'clock and now you follow a line, what you see is that line goes underneath that, uh, that those fibres of the racolumbar fascia into another direction that you can't see of external bleed. And so, you know, for every single square millimetre that you've got, you've got a different directional line of strain and pull um, that is going to take you back into somewhere else because that's how we move. We move in, in multiple, multiple directions um, and the directions are not, 
unilateral, they're bilateral, and you can see them here. And um, and um, so and those fibers that you're seeing there will continue across into the next layer underneath the glute there. If you put the other picture up there, Matt, um, for a second, then you, you can see what, if Matt puts his next picture up, you can see that what are we looking at? The... So essentially here, what you're looking at is a similar sort of picture, um, but those fibers of the thoracolumbar fascia, it's been a bit more trimmed, are continuing across the edge of the sacrum here um, and becoming the um, sort of posterior fibers of the glute med. But also at the same time, the fibers glutei maximus are blending down and into the deeper fibers of the um, of, of what would be called, you know, gluteus medius fascia. So, you know, the, the separation is arbitrary in relation to how sharp your knife is and what you want to what you want to demonstrate and reflect. It, it, it's it's it, but it's cut away and it's then shown as something which exists by itself and it, and it really doesn't. So, what a I mean, it's beautiful. It's amazing to study anatomy and seeing how intricate and these pathways are what are some of the clinical take-homes of understanding the anatomy and fascia what are the implications of of being able to see obviously it's useful to go on these courses and dissection courses to see it and understand it appreciate it but what are some of the take-home messages there for for kind of people in their clinics having clients come in with pain how does understanding this fascia help anybody about anatomy the fascial anatomy maps your question is, is kind of is it related uh, to, to dissection is that what you're asking well just how does knowing about this help clinically if someone comes in and says i've got lower back pain then how does understanding and appreciating all the fascia and the kind of the way that forces are distributed and pathways how does that help what you would decide to do with that client i think i suppose it can have in in many ways it can also get in the way in many ways i imagine because by understand i mean it, it just you can do anything with anything can you but um personally i feel that for me um it does get in the way when i kind of come with the preconception that what i have seen especially in the books what i have seen in in even in dissection which is much more um, is what I'm seeing when someone walks in the room. I think that's totally never ever the case because as we have seen in, 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 in dissecting when we work with different forms that yes, there is a, a usual pattern that usually you will have, uh, I don't know, um, I mean, rectus abdominis is uh, inside a sheath that is connected from, you know, and created by the layers of the different abdominal muscles but then you go and sometimes someone doesn't even have any muscle fibers in transversus abdominis so like you know there are or they might have that on one side and not on the other so that anatomy is so varied um i think it is so i suppose i'm not answering your question because i'm kind of like almost like going the other way that yes it is very useful but i think that the probably the most useful thing is to to understand that these are again maps or or, or models that we can use to yeah. to try to get an understanding, and then we need to kind of like take them away to um, see the person that walked in. Yeah, I think what I'd say in in, in relation to that in, in your previous question, Matt, and I agree with Anna that. 
um, that actually when, when somebody presents to you, what you're seeing is the end of their journey, the end of a process. When they're presenting with an injury, that, that injury isn't an injury because it's they got kicked in the leg or they twisted their ankle. Um, but it's a culmination of a whole bunch of other things going on. You know, they may have done that same thing yesterday and not had that injury. Um, and so we're seeing that um, the position of somebody's head is going to affect the way their back is loading. Um, the position of somebody's shoulders is going to affect the way they're breathing or even feeling, you know, and, and how they're presenting. So so that once you understand that, that physiologically, anatomically um, and biologically that there are structural loading connections around the body, then you can start to see pain as a red herring um, and almost the presenting injury is a red herring. And the moment you start to treat that localized area, you're probably not going to the root of where it is, irrespective of how acute or anything else it is. Um, that, you know, you may or may not be changing fascia. It doesn't matter. Ultimately, you, you've got to look at this structure as a, as a unit. There's a whole story involved that you will never understand the, 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 the full um, element of it because it goes back however many years the person's been alive but that by understanding that that you know the laws of physics are you move that something else is going to have to take its load and strain understand that and that's really what your application is and it's the it's the it's the connective tissues that create that relationship it's like you know the yogurt pots and and string as a kid um you know muscle is localized it's not a connective tissue um and connective tissue is going to transmit forces that are going to allow behaviors to change over a period of time understand those behaviors and you're halfway there and i've been put my hands on people for 30 years so you know very rarely do i see pain that is really the pain that's localized very interesting and if people are because we're drawing close to the bewitching hour now or bewitching hour nine o'clock if um people are interested in um improving their understanding of the whole anatomy and what's underneath the skin then what um you both in are there, are there live dissection classes going on now is it online or with covid raising its head again or what's the deal uh well i did have a course planned for february in the states um i'm not sure that's happening now um so hopefully we're going to be in poland um next year but i've got a whole series of webinars that i built during lockdown uh, that are available on functionalatomy.com uh, so you look at that i put out a, a weekly youtube video as well just where i uh, annoy people and uh so and i've got something look at this. which i call the transformation anatomy program which i'm just about to relaunch in, in january that's a a six-week sort of 16 hour program goes into loads of dissections we talk about mechanotransduction and all that kind of stuff so um and there's a few free pain webinars and stuff that i've got on my website so head on over to functional anatomy functional anatomy.com um, and, uh, and there will be live, you know, say live dissections, but there will be dissections, in-person dissections coming up and hopefully in 2022. It's just uh, everything's a little uncertain at the moment. So. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. It's um, yeah, it's getting back to tough times again, isn't it? But um, yeah. And as far as the movement goes, Anna, what have you got working at the moment for people interested in learning more about movement and helping people? Yeah, by... we, we have. I mean, my my approach is different to Julian's because obviously um movement based i run uh facial anatomy courses that incorporate movement and self-release techniques to kind of create an environment where there's an opportunity to embody what it is that we are learning through the presentations and the um facial anatomy so yeah hello to involvement education i've got a course on the thorax um coming up in february and um, yeah different courses on on our website just go on and have a look 
fantastic so at the moment it's again going back to kind of online um did you have any face-to-face plans yeah we've got um so we have got some face-to-face staff but um yeah we we also run a pilates teacher training so we've got a comprehensive pilates teacher training starting in february in february and that's fully fully in person uh there isn't any um online based staff on that for obvious reasons because we have to use the equipment and stuff but fascia wise um at the moment most of it is online most of what we've got is online Okay, and that'll be evolvemovementeducation.com? Yes, evolvemovementeducation.com. Brilliant, yeah. right. well, we'll make sure those notes go into. Right, well, whilst we've been talking away, and it's been lovely chatting to you, there's been kind of all sorts of backwards and forwards going in, in the comments section. That happens sometimes. This is why joining us live can be entertaining. You can either listen to the show, guys, or you can have a little kind of discussion yourselves in, in the background. As I've been listening to you, I've been kind of looking over there and thinking, oh, gosh, um, I don't know. If I've, been keeping, I've been keeping up. <laughs> By uh, Brian and uh, and uh, uh, who is it? Matt, Brian and Matt and um, have been uh, having a little ding dong down there. I love yeah. that. I love this kind of stuff. I love that. This is good. It's, it's all communication. Great. It's great. And and you know trying to work out what we do and it, and disagreement is and and discussion and debate is just it's the business you know and we've just got to go strip it back and go well we're not sure let's work it out so you know. And with that, we're not sure. Let's work it out. That's, I think, what puts us all onto the same page. That's what always happens, isn't it? We're, I mean, from what I've gathered from you guys is it's all about the person in front of you, um, understanding all the different parts of the jigsaw. And, and fascia, obviously, is one of those parts of the jigsaw, and it shows well how loads distribute around the body and stuff. So, no, it's been very, very but they, Imagine that you are 85 and you're living in your own. I can own, do that quite easily. And all, that's really what we're trying to aim for. We, we, we're trying to make sure that we keep ourselves moving enough so that we are in that place at 85 years of age where we can get to the toilet in time and our functional needs are going to change as we get older. Just, you know, we've got to keep it going. We've got to keep it moving. And that's what we're involved in is, is giving the mechanism by which to help people doing, whether it's movement or manual therapy or both. You know, it's, it's the same thing. You know, we're, we're singing off the same page. We're just arguing about the words and the lyrics. I think that's very wise. That's so often the case. Yeah, that's great. That's two now. Are we releasing doves and boxes and we're just arguing about the words and the lyrics? Beautiful. Well, the lyrics and the other words, but we're asking them about the lyrics and the tune, but we're the singing the same again. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's nice. Um, I, if you haven't copyrighted them, I'm getting them. I'm gonna yeah, you Beautiful. But Gil, but Gil's, Gil's original one, I want to leave you this one, is hold on to your practice dearly and hold on to your theory lightly. That's oh, nice. That's that's brilliant. So very nice. Yeah, yeah. Good. I like that a lot. We're gonna have to. I'm gonna have to. You're gonna have to send me those so I can put these in the bottom of the show notes. Right, time has beaten us now. It's nine or two already. That went very quickly. That hour. Um, people in here um, are showing their appreciation. Jamie Gargett here. Thanks for joining us. Jamie is saying thanks tonight. Best one yet for me. Well, there you go, Jamie. That's lovely to know. Um, it's not a clear area. It's not black and white at all, as I warned you at the beginning. And um, there's been twos and fro's um, throughout the last kind of 30 years, probably since the, the whole model was originally in the 90s, I think, wasn't it? The idea of the, um, the fashion model was kind of released. And but um, but yeah, thanks for joining us, people. If you are listening to the podcast, then um, and you have enjoyed it, then do please leave a rating. I know it feels unnecessary and you've probably got other things more important to do, but it makes all the difference. 
Um, no one gets any money for the podcast. It's all about just spreading the information and reaching people. So putting your five stars there and a little comment makes all the difference because it helps us reach more people on Google. So do please do that, particularly on Apple. Um, and um, and if you have got any other questions, then as I always say, use this feed, whether you're on YouTube, write your comments there. Anything which um, you put, I will send personally to Julian and Anna questions-wise and try and get their feedback. Um, and then I'll reply for you. And they may even dip in themselves and write a, uh, an answer as well. So don't let it stop tonight especially as this is december month of fascia it all continues indeed next week we will continue we're going to have walt fritz and tanya velasquez um, who are going to be joining us from the states um again talking about fascia um the same names are going to come up obviously because it's a topic that stretched all the way from the 90s so um that's going to be very interesting and then the week after on the 21st is going to be a chance for you guys to actually come on screen and talk about it live there's been a lot of vocalizing and kind of almost keyboard worrying going on um in the comments section so i'm I want some of you to actually come up and come on screen. It hasn't got to be for the whole show, but I'd like to get kind of three people maybe swapping over to talk about. Yeah, so make some notes about tonight, what you've picked up. We'll even turn it, I think, Gary, into a, um, a recognized CBD session. It'll be a full hour of CBD if you come up and participate, because this is the best CBD ever, isn't it? Um, listening and then dissecting, criticizing and going through it. So all oh, dissecting, I shouldn't have said that. It was a bit of a pun. But anyway, um, Julian, Anna, thank you so much. Um, um i will keep you informed um and like i say i'll send you any comments and questions because it could keep coming out throughout the month now as it's it's, it's fashion month um appreciate your time i'm going to say goodbye to these people now but you hang around don't disappear don't click anything otherwise you disappear forever and i want to say thank you in private once we've kind of left these people um so people are asking here for links to fuzz speech again in the show notes on podbean and also sta.co.uk i make sure all of these things are listed so we will put it all in and anything else as well um so um yeah but like gary says just google the fuzz it's it's there but more importantly than the fuzz speech look for the follow-up because people forget about that this is the confirmation bias working the other way everyone likes to slag off the fuzz speech but they forget about the fact that he did a follow-up okay so and the follow-up is more important really and you've got to look at the context so i'm very protective of gil and um, when i watch the follow-up and, and the i learned the circumstances of that speech so you've got to be watch people watch out for that pendulum going too far the other way i'm always saying it I'll make sure that goes into the show notes as well. Anyway, take care, people. We'll be back on Tuesday, 8 o'clock, same time, um, UK time, with um, Walt Fritz and Tiny Velasquez. So join us then. Take care of each other. And um, oh, just give us that Jill quote again, Julian, to take us out. The one about hold on to your practice. Hold on to your, hold on to your uh, practice dearly and your theory lightly. You're listening to the Sports Therapy Association podcast. Let's talk about it.